Good morning, church. Good morning. Um, it's so good to be here. It's so good to be able to. Um, well, I just want to thank you actually for the opportunity to be able to share with you today. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I know most of you probably do, but my name is Tabor Um and I'm a, a local minister in our church here. Um, I grew up in this church. I grew up in this area. And if you knew me before 1991, I apologize. <laughs> um, it was the year between grade 6 and grade 7 that I gave my heart to God. I truly gave my heart to God. And he began, in that time, his transforming work in my life. And he's continuing to till today. Praise the Lord. Um, and, okay, so my, my life story, um, in a very short form... I went to Bible college. Uh, I felt when I was 14 that I had a call in my life. And so when I graduated West Isle, I went to Bible college. Now, my experience there was not what I thought it was going to be. And um, I decided to leave, uh, come back home after only one semester. I decided that I could come home and I'll just minister in our local church, which I did. Um, and then we moved to Alberta and then we moved back. And, and I've been involved in the church this whole time in the youth and children's ministries. Um, but it was a few years ago that God just started really stirring and renewing the call of my life. And I wrestled with him for quite a bit over it, and I finally surrendered, and now you have me here today. <laughs> um, anyway, there was a bonus of going to Bible school. Uh, there's a slide. I don't have the clicker, so I'm going to depend on that. Oh, it's off. That's fine. That's fine. I was just hoping at least the slides would work. The computer was messing up this morning, and I do have slides, but if they don't work, oh well, you're just going to have to believe that I'm reading you what is actually there. So anyway, um, I did have a picture of my family. Um, for those of you who know us, I have three uh, sons. My, I met Ryan at Bible College. We got married the next summer. We had three children. Two of the boys were up here, um, and our other son lives in Nova Scotia with our beautiful daughter-in-law. He got married last year. And we have two future daughter-in-law sitting in the front seat over here. Woo-hoo! And yeah, so God has been good and he has blessed me. Um, anyway, so I have spoken here a few times um, in our church and I've been the chaplain at Kids Camp. Um, and I'm always grateful for any time that I can share um, what God has laid on my heart. And um, I get I do get nervous. <laughs> Someone had asked me if I get nervous, I was like, oh no, but I really do get nervous. And I think that's actually a good thing because it means I have to rely on God and not on myself. But I know that I need Him to get through this, um, and it's not coming from me. Uh, so that's that is a good thing. But I also get really really excited. Someone asked me this morning if I was nervous. I said a little bit, and I'm also really excited. I love having the opportunity to share Jesus with people, um, whether you're this big or <laughs> this big. <laughs> anyway, um, so anyway, that's enough about me. I just kind of want to give you a tiny background. Um, let's get started. So, I don't have my slides, but if you want to uh, flip to Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 44. Um, whenever I started praying about this, God laid this on my heart, and I was like, seriously, God, this is what we're going to start with. My first time speaking as a local minister here, and you're giving me kind of a, a heavy talk. So, anyway... <laughs> that I'm being obedient to what God asked me to speak on. And so, anyway, we're starting. Yeah, chapter 24, verses 36 to 44. And it says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. 
As it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be out in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handle. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And then if you flip to Mark um, 13, verses 32 to 37, it says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert, you do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away, and he leaves his house, and he puts his servants in charge each with their assigned task. And to the one at the door, he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at dawn. If he suddenly comes, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for... Um, that you've left this for us and that we can learn from it, God. I thank you for what you've given me to speak. And I just pray that you um, would just, as Brad and I said, hide you behind your cross, Lord, that the words would come from you and not from me. And uh, I just pray that you would um, just open ears and hearts and minds to what you have for them today. Amen. All right, so Jesus had been teaching, healing. He'd been performing miracles. He was in his ministry, but now at both of these verses that I read, he was coming on the end of his time. He knew um, if you read, keep reading, he's going to be arrested and die. Uh, and Jesus knew that. And so he kind of, in Matthew right before this here, he's, he's kind of given a real, um, a real, I don't know how you, how you say it, uh, kind of called out the hypocrisy of like the Pharisees and the religious leaders. So he kind of does this big, big, big speech, and then he he does a very um, passionate, grief-filled lament over Jerusalem and the rejection of him and his his teaching. Um, and then he he's talking and he's telling them. The disciples kind of ask like, "How will we know when you know the end is coming and stuff?" And so Jesus gets into um, right before the passages we read. He's telling them about the end, what's to come, um, this, yeah, the great tribulation and all this stuff. And then he goes into um, the verses that we read. So, um, yeah, the disciples didn't really understand what Jesus had been talking to them about. They didn't really understand what was to come. Um, but, I mean, we know in the church here, we believe that Jesus, you know, he came, he lived, he died, he rose again, and he's coming back again. And that's, that's what we're talking here. Jesus was warning them to be on watch, to, to be ready. Um, when I first started to get uh, the thoughts for this message, we were actually watching The Chosen with the youth group. Um, and so there was one scene where Jesus is teaching in the house, and he starts to tell them about this here. He was saying about, you know, when the master goes away, the servants, they don't, you know, start sleeping in the bed, and, you know, this and that, if he's taking too long, they're... they're 
ready, waiting at the door because they don't know when they'll come back. Um, and so, yeah, then I started to look up the passages that went with that and research a bit. And as I was doing that, um, the story came back to me. Um, when I was a teenager, and my mom and dad had bought this children storybook that was uh, by Max Licato, and it was a collection of a whole bunch of different little stories. And some of them have since then been made into to actual full children's book. But this book that they had was just like two pages per story or something. And it had some really beautiful, incredible um, illustrations with it. Anyway, there was this one story that really uh, impacted my life that was very powerful. And this story was about um, these twin brothers that had been shipwrecked on the island with the captain when they were very, very young. And the captain, he would tell the boys all about the place that he was from. He would tell them um, all about the colors and the beauty of this amazing place. And then after some years, he built a small vessel and he was going to leave to go get help and then come back for the boys. Um, he gave uh, them a strong warning to stay on the beach and keep watch. Um, he, he, the island that they were on, that they had been shipwrecked on, it was not a good place. It was very, um, uh, he, he warned them that there was a lot of dangers in the forest and right in the center of the island there was a volcano and he told them that it had erupted before and it would erupt again. And so stay on the beach, keep watching for his return um, and you gotta stay out of the forest. Um, he told them that they needed to support each other in, in keeping watch. Um, and he was telling them about the, the beautiful colors of the place that he was to go. And he was telling them that their hair, they both blonde, that the, the color of their hair was like the sun, um, the beautiful sun where they were going. Because where they were, the island was very dark and drab and gray. Everything was gray. Yeah, there's a, a picture from the story. Um, and yeah, so everything, you know, the water was gray, the sky was gray, the island was all gray. So he started to tell them about the colors, the beauty of the place that they, that he was from, and that he was going to, and he would come back. So he said, when you look at each other, you see the, the yellow of your hair, and think of the sun, and the blue of your eyes, it's like the water, and the sky, where, like, where we're going, where I'm from. And, and when you see each other's eyes, like, remember um, where we're going. And so, at first, they did a good job of staying on the beach, and, and keeping each other um, reminding each other of, of what the captain had said. Um, but as time went on and the captain hadn't returned, um, one of the boys started to wander into the forest. Um, and when he would return, his colors would be fading. And he ended up becoming colorless like the island. Now, he, when his brother asked him, his brother kept asking him and pleading with him not to go into the forest. Um, but he told his brother that the captain had lied to them, that there was no dangers in the forest, and the creatures in the forest told him that the volcano never erupted and there was no danger, and that it was it was a great place, that they were safe. Um, and he tried over and over and over to get his brother to go, but his brother wouldn't join him. His brother could clearly see that he was losing his colors. Uh, and so he chose to stay on the beach and watch for the captain. And then one day on the horizon, he sees this beautiful big schooner coming, breaking through all the dark gray and the drab, and he knows the captain has come. And so he gets, he gets on the boat with the captain, and they are so um, excited to see each other and be reunited with each other. And uh, 
Now, the captain then asks, well, where is your brother? And he had to tell the captain that his brother was lost in the forest. The captain waited a little bit to see if the brother would return, but they had to go. And at the end, um, they were sailing away, and the volcano erupted in the back. And the island was destroyed. Now, I know <laughs> that's kind of a deep story for a children's book. Um, it kind of shocked me the first time I read it. And it also challenged me. I mean, I was a teenager. Um, and I knew as a Christian that we all have the choice to choose Jesus or not to. Um, and I know not everyone will choose him. Uh, I understand that. But this story just has so many deep things in it for me. Um, I really had to take a good look at myself um, and see if I was doing a good job of staying on the beach and not wandering into the forest. So today, I want to ask you guys, what are your colors like? Are you doing a good job of being on the beach and watching for the captain? Or have you started wandering into the forest? Now, growing up, I heard multiple times um, preachers, speak, speakers uh, talking about the return of Jesus. Um, that Jesus was coming back, and they were all sure it wouldn't be very long. Um, I remember one pastor in this church actually saying that he believed Jesus would come back while he was still a pastor here. And we've had multiple pastors since then, so it didn't happen. Um, you know, I've also heard multiple um, timelines, of time frames. Yeah, we don't know the day or the hour, but it could be this year or this whatever because of the signs of the time. Uh, now, as we already read in Matthew 24, 36, it says, No one knows about that day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven or the sun, but only the Father. And Jesus is very specific that no one knows. Not even himself. So, every generation, since Jesus actually spoke these words, thought that Jesus would come back during their time. The disciples thought it would be while they were still alive. Um, Paul's writings, he, he, some of his writings really stressed the urgency because he really thought Jesus was coming back soon. Um, now, I say all this <laughs> um, to say that I'm not preaching that you need to be ready because I think that Jesus is coming back soon. I'm telling you you need to be ready because we have no idea when he's coming back. Um, but we need to be ready. Uh, it was interesting. There was a story come up in my mind with this too. Um, when our kids were younger, Brack and I think it was like grade six, we were out in BC um, for Ryan's grandfather's 90th birthday. And they were talking about Antoine stuff, some of the cousins and stuff, and they were you know, do you think it's going to be pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, whatever, for, for the rapture to happen? And uh, Ryan asked his grandfather, he said, what do you think? And his grandfather just smiled, and he has a German accent, and his German accent, he says, you know, I don't give too much thought to that, I just know I have to be ready. And I thought, that was some good advice. Like, you know, we can get kind of caught up in, and it's not bad to look at what's going on in our world, don't get me wrong. Um, but we can't get caught up in those details. We need to be caught up in the details of, are we ready? Um, because, I mean, we don't know, too, whether Jesus is going to come back today, tomorrow, next week, a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now. We don't know if we even have a tomorrow because of other circumstances, you know? Our, our days are not guaranteed. But we need to be ready to meet our Creator and our Savior. Um, Matthew 24, uh, 37 to 40 says, um, 
as in the days of as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. I know we read that right at the start. But this here passage, I remember uh, being a teenager in this church, and we had an evangelist here. And I remember him pre preaching in his booming voice, he would say, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be. And he was talking about, you know, how evil things had gotten in Noah's time. How bad things were, how, how evil the people had gotten. Um, and God had enough. And he decided to uh, wipe out everything except for Noah and his family because Noah had found favor with God. Um, and he, he was comparing, you know, like I said, the evil in our world and saying that God couldn't hold out much longer. And that was close to 25 years ago. Um, and our world, I mean, has only continued to get more evil and, and worse compared to what it was even then. Um, and I don't know how much longer that God can hold out. But I can tell you this. I want to be ready. I can honestly say that I love God so much that I long for it. I actually long for the day that I can be with him forever and live in a place that has no sin, no pain, no sorrow. Now, doesn't that sound wonderful, a place with no sin? Think about what all that means, like, you know, no wars, no bitterness, no, no envy, no greed. Like, this is a place, anyway, it just sounds amazing, <clears throat> and a place with no sorrow. No more crushing pain of grief for those who are gone too soon. Like in that video. Um, you know, Revelations gives us a glimpse of this reality. Um, it says, Revelations 21, 1-4 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. They will, oh sorry, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is good stuff. I mean, you know, this is heaven where God, our creator, our savior, you know, he, he is. Like, this is, and no more sorrow, pain, like, all that stuff is, like, benefit, you know? But we get to be in heaven with God. That's huge. Um, and, I mean, <laughs> this is a place I long with everything in me to go. I can't wait for that day. But I will tell you this. I do hope. I do hope that Jesus' second coming pulls off for a while. Even though I long to be there with him. And the reason I would say that is it's not for me to accomplish something. It's not for me to experience something here on earth. Now, when I was a teen, we were doing a study on the end times and revelation, and it scared me. Um, there was times that I was like, I don't know if I'm ready. And there was other times where I kept thinking, you know, I don't want Jesus to come back because I'm going to get married first. I want to have kids first. 
I had all these things that I wanted to do before I went to heaven. And now, looking back, I can see, you know, I did not have the right perspective of what heaven was. I didn't have the right view of, of God. And my relationship with him wasn't deep enough because these things on earth were preventing me from wanting to be with God. Um, now, um, I'm waiting with great joy and longing for the day that I get to see Jesus face to face. Um, longing for the place that's so amazing it's hard to even imagine. A place without sin and all that brings. Now, as I said, I'm hoping that Jesus holds out for a while longer. But it's not for me to accomplish something here on earth. But it's because I have loved ones. I have family that's far away from God right now. There are kids in our church and our community that I want to share the good news of Jesus with. There are teens in our church and our community that need Jesus. There are people in this church that need Jesus. There's people in our families that need Jesus. There's people in our community. There's people on this island that need Jesus. There's people in our country that need Jesus. And so that is why I am hoping that God will tarry a bit longer. Um, I think of Paul's struggle. Paul's talking. I don't have a slide for it, but I was just thinking about where Paul was talking about being torn from, uh, being torn into wanting to be with Jesus and needing to still be here. And he says in first, uh, Philippians 1, 23, he says, I'm torn between these two. I just desire to depart to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. He has the right perspective of heaven, where he said that it, to be with Christ is better by far. <laughs> you know, he knows that to be still be here, though, on earth, he needs to be on mission. Um, yeah, he has a mission to share Jesus with those that God has for him to minister to. And there's lots of people, just like the story about the boys, who are lost in the forest, who have no color left. Or they have never had a color in them, um, and they're lost in the forest as well. And if the captain came now, if he doesn't hold out a while longer, they will be lost. And as I said already, you know, we have no guarantee of the days of our lives. We've seen it around here. People way too young, way too young, in our opinion, you know, um, passing, going on. We don't have a guarantee that we're going to get to 90, 100 even 85, 65, you know, we don't have any guarantee. Um, anyway, I don't want, um, we need to be ready to meet our creator. And I know that we don't want anyone to miss out on um, eternity of thought. Years later, um, I was a mom and I saw a children's book at the bookstore. And it was called Going Home and it was by Masakato. They had turned that short story um, into a full children's book. So I remember how uh, impacted I was with the story, and I bought it for my boys, and I took it home. And when I read it, I realized that they had changed the ending of the book. He changed the ending. So in this new version, when the captain comes back, there's only one boy on the beach. And when he gets on the ship, um, you know, they have the same same rejoicing and the same reunion, but this time, when they wait a little bit longer and they're looking towards uh, the beach, the other brother comes out of the forest. 
all dark, gray, and drab. And he asks to go with them, and the captain allows him on the boat. And as they reunite, um, you know, he he apologizes for being disobedient. And as they reunite, um, the captain, as he puts his hand on his head, all the gray just goes away, and his, his vibrant colors come back. And this is the picture. So then they sail away together. All the boys are smiling, and you see in the background the, the volcano erupted and the island was destroyed. Now, at first, I was actually almost a little bit disappointed that they changed the ending of the book because the original ending had impacted me so much. Um, and so when they did this, I was like, I wasn't quite understanding. But then, you know, in another way, I actually like the new ending better um, because. I don't want anybody to be left, you know, and our God is a God of second chances. You know, he, he's waiting right now. Jesus hasn't come back because he's waiting, he's looking. And, uh, yeah, so then, then I, I changed my opinion. I actually liked the new one better. Um, as I said, God is a God of second chances, but we do know from what the Bible says, there is going to be a time where there are no more second you know, um, and we have to be accountable for everything that we have or haven't done in our lives. Um, Pastor Betty, she just talked about the sheep and the goats, and that's actually kind of the next thing in, after the, the scriptures that we started with in Matthew. And Jesus is saying here that when he returns, he's going to gather everybody up and he's going to divide them into sheep and goats. And the sheep, he's going to say, you know, you you fed me, you, you gave me something to drink, you clothed me, uh, you visited me in prison, you had me not sick, all that stuff. And they say, when did you do that? And Jesus says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And then the goats, he's going to look at them and he says the same thing but the opposite. He says, you didn't. You didn't give me something to drink. You didn't feed me. You didn't come visit me. And they're like, Lord, when did we not see you? He says the same thing. When you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. So, you know, there is a time when we're going to be accountable for all that we have done and what we haven't done. And uh, verse 46, right after that, says, um, Then they will go away, this is the ghost, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, I'm challenging all of us to be ready. Be ready to meet our Creator, whether it's tomorrow or 40 years from now. Um, we all need to be on the beach looking at the horizon for the return of the captain. Now, if you've been spending too much time in the forest and you know your colors are fading, there's great news. It's not too late. You still have a chance to be ready. All you need to do is come to Jesus. Now, I don't assume that everyone here or everyone listening online are followers of Jesus and know what I'm actually talking about. So I want to take a minute just to share. At the very beginning of our Bible, the very beginning of creation, um, God created Adam and Eve. And he had a relationship with them in the garden, a personal relationship. He walked with them. He talked with them. And, uh, but God, being a good God, um, gave us humans, gave Adam and Eve free will. And that means we have a choice. And so the choice that he gave them was he put a tree in the middle of the garden, um, the knowledge of good and evil. And he told them, he gave them this whole garden, this beautiful place, lots of food to eat. He gave them everything that they could possibly need, and he just put limits on this one tree. And he told them if they ate from it, they would die. Now Satan came, and he tempted Eve, and Eve and Adam both 
chose to eat from the tree, and because of that, um, sin entered the world. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. And then Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So, after Adam and Eve sinned, um, you can read about all the awful things that sin started, uh, starting even with the murder of their son by their other son. And through the Old Testament, we see um, sin rearing its ugly head and things got worse and worse. And as we already talked about Noah, God had enough and he started over. Um, give us another chance through Noah and his family. Um, but if you keep reading the Old Testament, you'll see sin again rears its ugly head, and the people of God, they're, they're with God, they're not. They're with God, they're not. And sin just keeps on keeping on. And God, in his incredible love for us, instead of saying enough is enough, and wiping out everything again, he does the unthinkable. John 3.16 and 17 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son to condemn the world, but to save it. And Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is amazing. <laughs> you see, Jesus was God's Son. He was perfect. He was holy. He was with God in heaven. But God loved us all so much that Jesus willingly came to earth as a humble baby, born in a stable. He grew up without sin. He taught. He healed. He performed miracles. And then he willingly went to the cross as a perfect sacrifice for your sin and for mine. And then he defeated death and rose again and is now seated with the Father in heaven, providing for us once again, with the choice of choosing God. Amen. <laughs> I know that I've said this before, and others have said it too. You know, when it comes to that question, if God is a loving God, how can he send anyone to hell? Well, God is a loving God. He sent Jesus here to die for us. God has provided everything we need to have a relationship with him and to go to heaven. So if we choose not to take that free gift, then we choose to send ourselves to it's not God sending us there. He's a righteous, just God. He can't be around sin. That's just who he is. And so we get, he gave us the choice that he provided the way through an extreme sacrifice. Uh, and the only thing I'm going to say about hell is that hell is not a place that we want to choose. It was not intended for us. It was created for the devil and his angels. And it is a horrible place of unquenchable thirst and gnashing of teeth. Doesn't sound good. Uh, okay, so now getting back into um, some of you might be wondering how to know if our colors are fading. Maybe we've been a follower of Jesus for many years. For me, it's been about 22 years. Um, and we're kind of comfortable in our relationship with Jesus. And as I told you the story, you thought, you know, I have definitely not strayed from the beach. My eyes are on the horizon. And Praise God if that is true. Um, you know, there's encouragement. I know that there are saints that 
that are there, that have vibrant colors, that have been straight. You've kept your eyes on Jesus, and thank you. You know, we need that. Everyone needs that because we need to see that example set. Anyway, um, and most of our vibrant saints are prayer warriors. Um, so don't hear me right when I'm saying this. I'm not saying everyone is fading. Um, but I did hear a sermon lately uh, from Louis Gabriel, and in it he said, you're either move, in the Christian life, you're either moving forwards or you're going backwards. There's no coasting in the Christian life. And I was thinking of a boat, you know? If you're moving forward, even if you stop, if you don't drop your anchor, if you stop, you know, the current's going to take you somewhere. Even if you don't feel like you're moving, after a little bit, you look up and you're not where you were. Um, so, uh, with saying that, um, please don't let the enemy talk you into being comfortable and complacent in your Christian walk. Um, there, there's no coasting in the Christian life. Um, think about when you first were saved um, and the excitement that you felt in your faith. You're so thankful for what God saved from <laughs> that you wanted to share with others and you wanted them to be saved from, from it as well. Um, now, you still have that same passion. You still have that same concern for the lost. Um, I think as long as we have breath, we need to share the good news that we have in Jesus with everyone around us. Um, you know, people are dying of spiritual death, and we have the cure. It's Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer um, for everything. Our families need Jesus. Our neighbors need Jesus, our communities need Jesus, our island needs Jesus, and our nation desperately needs Jesus. And Jesus is the answer. Um, your kids, your grandkids, they need Jesus more than they need anything else from you. Um, it's the same thing I said before about being accountable for um, the things that we have and haven't done. I really do think as parents that we are going to be held to a standard of how we raise your children. Now, Having said that, all of our kids have free will. God gave us all free will. So I'm not saying that you haven't done a good job of raising your kids if you have kids that are far from God. It's their choice. But I do think that we have a, an awesome responsibility as parents uh, to lead our kids to Jesus and to give them a choice. Just a sign. Um, but anyway, there are people that you've tried to share. Um, it could be even family members, and they don't want anything to do with Jesus. And so now you kind of feel stuck in what you can say or what you can do in the situation. But there are things that you can do. Prayer. Pray. Prayer is one of the most powerful weapons against the enemy. There's power in prayer. And I mean like real prayer. Like praying with a passion for your family. Praying for a passion for your neighbors. Not just quick little bless them, be with them. I mean those are, I'm not saying those are bad prayers, but we need to have some intense prayers on behalf of the people that we know need Jesus. Um, and taking time to fast. When Jesus is teaching the disciples about fasting, he says, when you fast. He doesn't say if you fast. And there was a story um, about this boy that the father brought to the disciples, and he had a demon, and they couldn't, they couldn't help him. So the father brings him to Jesus, and, and Jesus takes care of everything, and the boy is healed. And the disciples look at Jesus, and they say, why, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus says that this was a matter of prayer and fasting. Some, some translations have dropped the fasting, but some say prayer and fasting. 
there's there's an importance and there's a power in fasting. Um, some of you, well, some of you that are older-ish, would know my grandma. Um, my grandma passed. Oh, when Bryce was two, so quite a few years ago, 18 years ago. But my grandma was a prayer warrior. If you knew her, she was a prayer warrior. And this, she she. There was a lot of amazing things that come out of my grandma's prayers. Uh, but there was this one time that she was, her heart was breaking for one of her sons. He was far from God and far from his family. And uh, she, I've been told that, that grandma went on a 21-day fast in prayer for, for her son. And through that, um, one day he was getting on the bus. And this little old lady came up to him. He didn't know her. And she said, can I pray for you? He said, okay. And when she touched him, he felt electricity go through his body. Like, almost like he was being electrocuted. Like, it was... Anyway, that turned, That was a turning point for him. Because of that experience that happened, um, he did... He, he gave his heart to the Lord. He came home. Um, my uncle has now uh, passed and gone on to be with Jesus, but... His time as a Christian, as a serving Lord, impacted a lot of lives, mine included. Um, yeah. So, you know, amazing things happen when we pray. And, you know, if you read any of the revivals in the history, the big thing that started almost every revival is prayer. Um, so there's the power of prayer. So don't ever feel like you're stuck and you can't do something to minister to those who say, I don't have anything to do with it. Um, another thing that we can do that impact the most around us is the life we live. And I think that some of these scriptures here are a great test to see if our colors are fading and also to make an impact on those around us. I think um, if we are putting the needs and concerns of others above ourselves, that says something. Uh, Louis Giglio was saying in the same sermon um, that I already mentioned, he said he got a chance to meet the author John Maxwell. And he asked John, what is the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning? And he replied that he gets up early, he gets his coffee, he goes to his study to spend time with God. And he asks himself this question every day. What can I do today to bring value to someone else? Um, I think that's a good test for how often, you know, we think, how, how often do we think about blessing someone else? How often do we think, um, you know, ask God for someone else's needs above our own? Uh, in Matthew... 22, 37 to 40, Jesus replied, Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Now this is pretty clear. We need to love God with everything in us and love others. Now, do you really love God with everything in you? Uh, is he your first thought? In the day, are you giving him the place that he needs in your life? And of course, that place is first place. Um, do you love him more than you love your spouse, your kids, your friends, your stuff, your success? Um, if you love God with everything that's in you, then I personally think that loving others will naturally overflow out of that. Another test that we can do for ourselves to see if our colors are vibrant is this. Um, Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, 
so you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, then you're not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, or envying each other. By living by the Spirit, I think by having the fruit of the Spirit, you know, we can make a huge impact on our families and communities. This is a good indicator on whether our, our colors are fading or whether they're vibrant. You know, I don't see anywhere in what we just read that we can excuse our temper or argumentativeness by saying, it's just the way I was raised, this is just who I am. But if we are followers of Christ and want to be ready for his return, then we need to show up. We need to have joy. We need to be peacemakers, patient, kind, and good. We need to be faithful and gentle and have self-control. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, this I'm preaching to myself today, too. Um, think about it for a minute. If we all acted with the fruit of the Spirit all the time, what would our families be like? What would our community be like? <laughs> if we are patient and kind and have joy and truly love each other and we're faithful and we're peacemakers, you know, good, gentle, exhibit self-control, what would our church be like? What would, you know, just our world be like? You know, we need to remember that when we give our lives to Christ, we do receive the Holy Spirit. And with that, we have all the fruit of the Spirit in us. But we need to nurture it and give Him the room to grow these, spirit, these fruits in us. Um, and we need to be like Christ. So if we're living by the sinful nature, as we read in those verses, then we're not ready for His return. Like I said earlier, the good news is we still have time. He's still wanting and waiting and watching like a captain in the story. He's looking towards the island and hoping that you come running. Romans 12 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is one of my favorite scriptures because I think it has everything in it in a few sentences. When we have the right perspective of God's mercy, now mercy is getting what we don't deserve. I mean, not getting what we do deserve. Him taking our punishment, which is what we deserve, for us. In view of that, what he saved us from, then we should be more than willing to live a life surrendered to him, being a living sacrifice. And then Paul goes on to tell us that we shouldn't conform, which means be like or agree with what the world says is good, but we need to be transforming our minds through the reading of our Bibles, filling it with God's Word, the only real truth that we can trust in, and the closer that we get to God, then we will be able to know what God wants, what His will is. Another great scripture to help us with the renewing of our minds is Philippians 4, 4-8. 
It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all men. Lord, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Did you hear some familiar words? <laughs> How's your joy? Do you rejoice in the Lord? Do you bring your worries to God through prayer? Um, what kind of things do you think about? Remember the saying, when I was a teenager, this is a big saying, garbage in, garbage out. What we put in is what comes out. We need to be careful what we're putting in our minds. This renewing our minds, the transformation that comes is when we put the things that we should be putting in our mind. Scripture, God's Word. Um, those are good things. And you know, it might mean that we need to stop watching some shows, even if we enjoy them. It might mean we need to stop looking at things that are leading us down to a path that God doesn't want us on. Um, a little further in Romans 12, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. How are we doing? How are we doing with this? You know, are we sincere in the way we love others? Do we hate evil? And hate evil is not, you know, it, the hate the sin, love the slight. You still need to love, you don't hate the sinner. Um, but we need to hate evil. It needs to offend us. It needs to be, we have to, you know, need to hate evil. Um, but have you gone too far in the, for, in the forest that you tolerate or maybe even accept evil as the norm? Question. Are we devoted to each other or are we just looking out for ourselves? Do we honor others above ourselves? How's your zeal? How's your spiritual fervor? Are your colors vibrant? Um, the, the next few things that sounded pretty familiar, joy, patient, faithful. You know, are we joyful in the hope that we have in Jesus? Are we patient even in our sufferings? Are we faithful in prayer? Prayer is powerful. Are we generous? Are we compassionate? Are we hospitable? What about blessing those who persecute you? Do you rejoice? With those who are rejoicing? Do you truly mourn with those who are mourning? Are we living in the way that we need to be in order to be ready for Christ's return? I hope so. And if you are, then I encourage you to keep strong in faith, be encouraged, keep watching, and reading. But for those of who haven't done so well on these tests, um, there's something that I didn't add before. When the boy came from the forest, he was timid and ashamed because he didn't want to be seen the way he was. He knew he had disobeyed the captain, and he didn't deserve the captain's forgiveness. But the captain accepted him. He forgave him, and he restored the boy to who he was intended to be. The captain gave him back his vibrant colors. And I want to encourage you that even if you feel like you can never measure up or keep the watch, 
In Matthew, when Jesus was warning the disciples that it would be hard for a rich man to get to heaven with the rich young ruler, all that stuff, Jesus then says, they say, who can them save? And Jesus looked at them and he said, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. How are you doing? Have your colors faded? Have you been spending too much time in the forest? Have you been living in the simple nature instead of the spirit? Jesus is here, and he's waiting for you to come to him. Remember, on your own, we can't do, do it. We can't make it. But with God, all things are possible. Um, in our church, the altars are always open. And I truly believe that God gave this message for those who would hear it today, who are here and online. But I've always felt that if there's a move of the Spirit, then there should be an opportunity to make a public declaration to God. And if God is speaking to you today, don't wait. Please don't let anything get in the way of you getting right with God and being ready. Maybe you're here today and you know that even though you once were on the beach and had vibrant colors, you've chosen to explore the forest and spend too much time in this world and believe the, well, the lies, and you become like the forest, all faded and gray. But you want to return, you want to be ready and waiting, then come. Maybe you've only ever lived in the forest and you never met the captain, and you want to have vibrant colors and get right with God and be waiting on the beach for the captain to come. Jesus is waiting and ready for you to come. Maybe you become too complacent or comfortable in your walk, and the Lord is challenging you to come and renew your passion, your prayer life. Your vibrant colors come. Maybe you didn't pass the test, and you know that you are still living in the simple nature, and you know you need to have a fresh and filling of the Spirit so that you can live for His glory, and your colors can be vibrant and you're ready. Please come. I'm going to pray as the worship team comes, and as we sing this final closing song, and just say, if God's speaking, come. Come, He's waiting. He wants to meet you. You know, um, yeah, let's pray. Father God, I know you laid this message on my heart for a reason. And Lord, you're, the word says you're, it doesn't go up the way. And so Lord, I just pray that you would speak. If there's those that need a touch from you, God, call. Um, if there's those that need to meet you for the first time, call them, God. I just pray, Lord, uh, for your glory in all of this, Lord. May we be a people waiting, watching, and ready. In your name I ask it all. So, yeah.